Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from, and from our, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. With what I struggle with, uh, reading Isaiah 35 makes me really want to preach on what it means for the tongue of a mute to sing for joy, but I'll, I'll save that for another day. Because this is not about muteness or slow of tongue, or it's not about me, it's about us. It's about us and something that we take for granted. That when we look at the gospel text from Luke chapter 18, we wonder what do these things have to do with each other? What is Jesus, what is Jesus's foretelling of his death? have to do with a blind man who's on the road and asks for God to help him. What do these things have to do with each other? We see that there's a comparison here. Those who followed after Jesus heard his very clear words, his very clear words that says, see, we are going up to Jerusalem and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be fulfilled. For he will be delivered over to the Gentiles and will be mocked and shamefully treated and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him. And on the third day, he will rise. Very clear, very concise, very direct. And yet, they understood none of these things. The saying was hidden. This, this, this saying was hidden from them, and they did not grasp what was said. They are blind in a threefold sense. They just don't get it. They are in the depths of spiritual blindness for the things that really matter. They have been following after Jesus. For a long time now. And yet when he speaks very clearly to them, they just don't get it. And how much is that like us? That ideally, we who have been Christians for all of our lives, and the older we get, the more we will humbly say, I don't know nearly as much as I ought to. I still learn all kinds of things from God's word. Ideally, we would read God's word and grow, grow hungry for it all, 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 all the more. And sometimes we hear what God has to say and we just we don't get it. That in a lot of ways, we are like the blind the spiritually blind, the spiritually blind, excuse me, the spiritually blind disciples. We hear what Christ suffered, and we hear about how he was mocked, spit upon, shamefully treated. And when we hear that over and over again, We don't always connect the dots. We don't always see 
that our sins mock Jesus. Our sins shamefully treat him. Our sins spit upon Christ. And most of the time, we don't see them this way. We downplay them. We take a look at certain thoughts or certain things that we say, certain things that we do, and we say, oh, I didn't mean it that way. Oh, you're, you're reading too much into that. I didn't, I didn't think that. Or say, you know what, that's just, that's just how I am, right? Sometimes we say, it's not that big of a deal. It's just who I am. What can you do? Oh, well, that's just my pet sin. Shucks, right? Sometimes when somebody points these things out to us, we get indignant. We say, it's not that bad. Who are you to say that I'm sinning? It's just, you know, I'm, I'm just joking around, you know? We don't understand our own depth of depravity and sinfulness. And therefore, we don't understand what Christ would do about it. That by ourselves, we can do nothing but sin. We can do nothing but fall short. That when we say certain things, think certain things, do certain things, or don't do what we're supposed to do, we say, oh, well, I'm not going to be too hard on myself about it. Instead of rightfully saying, Lord, have mercy on me. I should have done this. Forgive me. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. Forgive me. Lord, have mercy. Yet most of the time, we don't understand. These things are hidden from us, and we don't grasp what we should be. So then we see, strangely enough, that in terms of a guide, our blind man fits the bill. He is the one who sets a good example for us. That he, when he hears the crowds coming and he says, what is going on? And they say, Jesus is coming. He cries out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And he's right to do so. He cries out for Jesus, even though he's told to be quiet. The whole crowd tells him, just be quiet. Know your place. Stop talking. It's not that bad. Leave it alone. Stop it. And yet, he shows to be a good example to us even more because he doesn't stop talking. He doesn't stop crying out for God's help. He shouts out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Loud enough. In the midst of a crowd that, that Jesus stops and commands him to be brought to him. And when he comes near, Jesus asks him, what do you want me to do for you? Now, I'll get to that in a second, but I want to focus on this issue of him crying out all the more, even though people tell him to be silent. We should be like the blind man. We should know ourselves for who we are. We should know how far we have fallen, how imperfect we are, 
how sinful we are on a daily basis, and we should cry out for God's mercy. We should speak what God speaks. The blind man is only saying what he's already heard, right? To confess is to speak back what God tells you. When we gather here and we confess our sins, we only say what God says. We don't, th- we don't make things worse or less than what they are. We simply say things for what they are according to God's word. And we say that we have sinned. We have fallen short. And in likewise, we speak in God's love. We speak because he first spoke to us. And in this sense, we should be like the blind man. That when we cry out against things that are wrong, when we cry out against the things of this world, we Christians should be more vocal. We should talk about how things are bad, not in despair, but in saying, Lord, have mercy on us. Save us from the terrible things that have fallen on us. Save us from our own sin. Save us from ourselves when we did not say the things we should have said. That we should speak God's word in love, as St. Paul says. We should not be quiet. We should not shut up in the face of those who would tell us to be quiet. The world, nor Christians who have been deceived by it. The world and those who have fallen to its sway want us to be quiet, to just turn on the TV, watch, the sh- watch those same shows that everybody else does. Don't worry about it. It's art. Give me a break. Don't worry about it. The sexuality you see on TV, the language, the situations, the pain and the suffering for your enjoyment. Just be quiet. Don't make a fuss. Send your kids to to the schools to be indoctrinated on some level in the horrible way. Don't talk about it. Just let it be because that's the loving thing to do. Don't complain about the wickedness in those places, in this world. Just be quiet. Stop it. Brothers and sisters in Christ, no, do not be quiet. Speak out in love even louder. Be adamant. Be joyful. Speak out God's word in love, asking for his mercy. Knowing that even though you say, Lord, have mercy on us, it sounds nice, but it is judgment. Lord, have mercy on us for having drag queen story hours in public libraries for kids. Lord, have mercy on us for not talking about how there is a clear campaign to turn our boys into girls and girls into boys. Lord, have mercy on us when we see these things and don't say something. It is judgment upon ourselves and it is judgment upon this world. And no matter how nice we may seem, they still will see it for what it is, a judgment. But only a judgment according to what God's word says. And therefore, because we face trials of various kinds, we should count it all joy. And that's what the world doesn't understand. 
that in the face of people telling us to be quiet, to shut up, be quiet in the face of these hardships, we cry out even louder, Lord, have mercy on us. Lord, have mercy. Embrace and revel in the pain that comes for the sake of Christ, for the sake of truth and love. Embrace these things because it's not in vain that even though you may be one small voice in the midst of a giant crowd, the Lord hears you. And he says to you, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? And we have to check ourselves in that instance as well. That when we cry out for mercy, we better know what it's for. Sometimes we don't know exactly, but we can even just say in generally, like the blind man says, Lord, let me recover my sight. He already saw in the most important way. He knew who Jesus was. He was not spiritually blind, but he asked for something that was miraculous. And Jesus says, regardless of how far-fetched he was asking for, Jesus says, recover your sight. Your faith has saved you. Not just has made you well. Your faith has saved you because you trusted in the only one who could do anything about it. And so likewise, when we cry out against this world, and we want to, we're tempted to throw up our hands and say, what are you going to do about it? Everything is just so far gone. You don't even bother crying out and saying, Lord, have mercy. But when you cry out, Lord, have mercy, and he says, what do you want me to do for you? Ask according to his will, knowing that he hears you and knowing that he will do what is right and good for you. Even the most miraculous thing you could possibly think about, right? Lord, just make it so that the wicked people stop. And who knows what he can do to turn their hearts toward him? Who knows what he can do? But you do not receive because you do not ask, as Scripture says. So let us ask. Let us trust in Jesus knowing that our faith has saved us, not because we're special, but because he is, because he is the one that we trust in, that Jesus Christ is the only one that can do anything for us. He has died for us. He has shed his blood for our sins. He was buried for us, raised on the third day for us, for you, ascended into heaven for you and now sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, working through all things for you, for the good of you. All the more so that you may say, Lord, have mercy on me. All the more so that we would cry out to him, knowing and not being blind, knowing according to God's word what he says about us, knowing according to God's word what Christ has done for us, and still saying, Lord, I believe, help, help, help. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. For we are just simply beggars. All we can do is ask. 
and all we can do is be given the good things of God. So as we go forward from here into this Lenten season, after this Sunday, where where we no longer will say happy things or seemingly joyful things, good and joyful things, um, where we will no longer sing, uh, we will no longer sing, excuse me, we will no longer sing um, the glory in excelsis for a time. We will not sing the alleluia for a time. We will examine our sins and our Savior more, more intensely than we would otherwise for the season of Lent. That as we go forward, I pray that we would be emboldened by God's word to say and do those things that he would have us do in love for the good of others and for the good of ourselves. Lord, have mercy on us. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord.